Letter fifteen of Clarissa Harlowe, volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Clarissa Harlowe, volume three, by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifteen. Miss Clarissa Harlowe to Miss Howe, Thursday night, April 13th. I always loved writing, and my unhappy situation gives me now enough of it, and you, I fear, too much. I have had another very warm debate with Mr. Lovelace. It brought on the subject which you advised me not to decline when it was handsomely offered and i want to have either your acquittal or blame for having suffered it to go off without effect the impatient wretch sent up to me several times while i was writing my last to you to desire my company yet his business nothing particular only to hear him talk the man seems pleased with his own volubility and whenever he has collected together abundance of smooth things he wants me to find an ear for them yet he need not for i don't often gratify him either with giving him the praise for his verboseness or showing the pleasure in it that he would be fond of when i had finished the letter and given it to mr hickman's friend i was going up again and had got up half a dozen stairs when he besought me to stop and hear what he had to say nothing as i said to any new purpose had he to offer but complainings and those in a manner and with an air as i thought that bordered upon insolence he could not live he told me unless he had more of my company and of my indulgence too than i had yet given him hereupon i stepped down and into the parlour not a little out of humour with him and the more as he has very quietly taken up his quarters here without talking of removing as he had promised we began instantly our angry conference he provoked me and i repeated several of the plainest things i had said in our former conversations and particularly told him that i was every hour more and more dissatisfied with myself and with him that he was not a man who in my opinion improved upon acquaintance and that i should not be easy till he had left me to myself he might be surprised at my warmth perhaps but really the man looked so like a simpleton hesitating and having nothing to say for himself or that should excuse the peremptoriness of his demand upon me when he knew i had been writing a letter which a gentleman waited for that i flung from him declaring that i would be mistress of my own time and of my own actions and not to be called to account for either 
he was very uneasy till he could again be admitted into my company and when i was obliged to see him which was sooner than i liked never did the man put on a more humble and respectful demeanour he told me that he had upon this occasion been entering into himself and had found a great deal of reason to blame himself for an impertinency and inconsideration which although he meant nothing by it must be very disagreeable to one of my delicacy that having always aimed at a manly sincerity and openness of heart he had not till now discovered that both were very consistent with that true politeness which he feared he had too much disregarded while he sought to avoid the contrary extreme knowing that in me he had to deal with a lady who despised an hypocrite and who was above all flattery but from this time forth i should find such an alteration in his whole behaviour as might be expected from a man who knew himself to be honoured with the presence and conversation of a person who had the most delicate mind in the world that was his flourish i said that he might perhaps expect congratulations upon the discovery he had just now made to wit that true politeness and sincerity were reconcilable but that i who had by a perverse fate been thrown into his company had abundant reason to regret that he had not sooner found this out since i believed very few men of birth and education were strangers to it he knew not neither he said that he had so badly behaved himself as to deserve so very severe a rebuke perhaps not i replied but he might if so make another discovery from what i had said which might be to my own disadvantage since if he had so much reason to be satisfied with himself he would see what an ungenerous person he spoke to who when he seemed to give himself airs of humility which perhaps he thought beneath him to assume had not the civility to make him a compliment upon them but was ready to take him at his word he had long with infinite pleasure the pretended flattery hater said admired my superior talents and a wisdom in so young a lady perfectly surprising let me madam said he stand ever so low in your opinion i shall believe all you say to be just and that i have nothing to do but to govern myself for the future by your example and by the standard you shall be pleased to give me i know better sir replied i than to value myself upon your volubility of speech as you pretend to pay so preferable a regard to sincerity you shall confine yourself to the strict rules of truth when you speak of me to myself and then although you shall be so kind as to imagine that you have reason to make me a compliment 
you will have much more to pride yourself in those arts which have made so extraordinary a young creature so great a fool really my dear the man deserves not politer treatment and then has he not made a fool an egregious fool of me i am afraid he himself thinks he has i am surprised i am amazed madam returned he at so strange a turn upon me i am very unhappy that nothing i can do or say will give you a good opinion of me would to heaven that i knew what i can do to obtain the honour of your confidence i told him that i desired his absence of all things i saw not i said that my friends thought it worth their while to give me disturbance therefore if he would set out for london or berkshire or whither he pleased it would be most agreeable to me and most reputable too he would do so he said he intended to do so the moment i was in a place to my liking in a place convenient for me this sir will be so said i when you are not here to break in upon me and make the apartments inconvenient he did not think this place safe he replied and as i intended not to stay here he had not been so solicitous as otherwise he should have been to enjoin privacy to his servants nor to mrs greme at her leaving me that there were two or three gentlemen at the neighbourhood he said with whose servants his gossiping fellows had scraped acquaintance so that he could not think of leaving me here unguarded and unattended but fix upon any place in england where i could be out of danger and he would go to the furthermost part of the king's dominions if by doing so he could make me easy i told him plainly that i should never be in humour with myself for meeting him nor with him for seducing me away that my regrets increased instead of diminished that my reputation was wounded that nothing i could do would now retrieve it and that he must not wonder if i every hour grew more and more uneasy both with myself and him that upon the whole i was willing to take care of myself and when he had left me i should best know what to resolve upon and whither to go he wished he said he were at liberty without giving me offence or being thought to intend to infringe the articles i had stipulated and insisted upon to make one humble proposal to me but the sacred regard he was determined to pay to all my injunctions reluctantly as i had on monday last put it into his power to serve me would not permit him to make it unless i would promise to excuse him if i did not approve of it i asked in some confusion what he would say he prefaced and paraded on and then out came with great diffidence and many apologies and a bashfulness 
which sat very awkwardly upon him a proposal of speedy solemnization which he said would put all right and make my first three or four months which otherwise must be passed in obscurity and apprehension a round of visits and visitings to and from all his relations to miss howe to whom i pleased and would pave the way to the reconciliation i had so much at heart your advice had great weight with me just then as well as his reasons and the consideration of my unhappy situation but what could i say i wanted somebody to speak for me the man saw i was not angry at his motion i only blushed and that i am sure i did up to the ears and looked silly and like a fool he wants not courage would he have had me catch at his first at his very first word i was silent too and do not the bold sex take silence for a mark of favour then so lately in my father's house having also declared to him in my letters before i had your advice that i would not think of marriage till he had passed through a state of probation as i may call it how was it possible i could encourage with very ready signs of approbation such an early proposal especially so soon after the free treatment he had provoked from me if i were to die i could not he looked at me with great confidence as if notwithstanding his contradictory bashfulness he would look me through while my eye but now and then could glance at him he begged my pardon with great humility he was afraid i would think he deserved no other answer but that of a contemptuous silence true love was fearful of offending take care mr lovelace thought i how yours is tried by that rule indeed so sacred a regard foolish man would he have to all my declarations made before i honoured him i would hear him no further but withdrew in a confusion too visible and left him to make his nonsensical flourishes to himself i will only add that if he really wishes for a speedy solemnization he never could have had a luckier time to press for my consent to it but he let it go off and indignation has taken place of it and now it shall be a point with me to get him at a distance from me i am my dearest friend your ever faithful and obliged clarissa harlowe End of letter fifteen